Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. This is show number 117, released on September 24th, 2014. My name is Steve Eunice, and joining me, is, as always, is my good friend Scotty V. Hey, Scotty. Hello, Steve. What's happening, everybody? How's it going? You sound like you're a bit under the weather there, mate. Well, I, uh, you know, I feel okay, but I, I seem to have some sort of a sinus issue going on. I mean, I'm not sick otherwise, but uh, it's been going on for um, about a week and a half now. So I'm waiting to get in touch with the doctor and see if I need something other than uh, I've been taking like regular Tylenol sinus medication. Mm. And I think it's staving off the terrible headaches, but I, I have this headache that's been here it's just every day all day for for a week and a half and and then at at times it gets really intense and i can't even really function at all so um, change of seasons uh, maybe yeah it's never happened to me before so i'm not really sure why this time but uh you got a nice deep gravelly voice yeah we'll see we'll see what (laughs) happens uh you know, maybe I'll uh, get really uh, intense on this uh, po- on this podcast, and we'll we'll get really interesting. Just don't pass out on us and start uh, falling asleep or something. But uh, that might be more interesting to some people than you and I talking. Yeah, well, certainly, absolutely. <laughs> A lot of people tell me to shut up constantly. All right. Well, uh, let's get into our discussion topics and. Um, well, the movie itself, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, is well underway with its filming. There's lots going on in Detroit, Michigan. It's not really anything new as far as anything groundbreaking to talk about, but we will get through what we have seen, and I guess some of that is very interesting. And, and you know, in the last month we have seen some some, you know, photographs and video footage that have led to some interesting discussions online. Um, we know, as I said, they've been filming in Detroit, Michigan. What's been the the highlight for you, or what did you want to start with first as far as what we've seen from some of those photos that have leaked from the on-location set? Well, what's what what I find really interesting is that um, it's really all Batman all the time. It, uh, it, it's, it seems to be a, a subject that we talk about a lot, or at least I do. Uh, I harp on it. You know, you've said yourself you're not a Batman fan. You don't dislike the character, but he doesn't really do anything for you. Um, it seems the world over, Batman's more popular than Superman, and of course they've infused him into this franchise really quickly. And uh, I'm, I'm almost convinced at this point that Batman's going to eradicate Superman's existence and the knowledge that anyone on Earth ever had of Superman being uh, <laughs> on Earth and within the first few minutes because I haven't heard of any filming. We haven't seen any pictures. We haven't seen anything going on uh, with Superman, but there's been a lot of Batman stuff. And I think the coolest thing um, is probably the footage of the uh, Batmobile actually driving around. Yeah, I mean, I guess to be fair, if they are filming in uh, Michigan, in Detroit especially, that there are certain aspects or certain, you know, areas of the city that are going to be, you know, representing Gotham. So, you know, at this point in time, they're, you know, they're um, filming there. And so it makes sense that it's all about Batman related stuff, if that's what Detroit is supposed to be representing. Well, once they do go to Chicago, we, we know they're going to Yorkville uh, to go to, back to the Kent farm. And we have seen Henry Cavill as Clark Kent um, on set coming out of Gotham City Jail. Uh, we have seen uh, Clark, uh, Henry Cavill as Superman with hair clips in his 
hair, trying to keep the that the, the curliness of the the back of his hair down, so that uh, for the Superman hairdo. So we know that he is involved. Um, I know you're being facetious there with your comments about Batman mm-hmm. eradicating Superman uh, altogether, but. Um, I guess it makes sense if they are filming in Detroit that it is Batman-centric at this point in time. Well, you see, that's why I do this podcast with you, because yeah. you always uh, bring me back down to earth and, and give me a reason Settle to your live. Nerves. Uh, you know, I was about to off myself, thinking that uh, Batman had offed Superman so quickly in the process, and uh, and now you've uh, you've you've laid those. The ledge. That's right. So I'm 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 feeling much better now. Uh, yeah. But it was really cool, and I I you know I did a. a a great Scott segment about how I'm angry that the Batmobile looks more like the Tumbler again and that it's very heavily armed and that it's giant and heavy and it looks more like a tank. And it turns out that I'm wrong, but somehow those early photos made it look that way. And yet uh, later photos and footage that we've been seeing make it look a lot more like the Tim Burton Batmobile, which is a lot of people's favorites, mine included. And uh, it looks much more like a cool, sleek Batmobile that perhaps has weaponized systems on board and armor and things, but uh, is also a, a sleek, mean machine, which is what I was looking for myself. Yeah, we uh, there seem to be a number of different Batmobiles, if you like. I don't know, there's some that seem to be just a shell or a, a casings of, you know, like the 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 body of, of a, a sports car to some degree. Uh, then there are others that are being used. We know that there are multiple Batmobiles that they're using for filming. Um, you know, one, I guess, would have the, a camera mounted on it at some stages for filming. Others will just be from behind or from the front or whatever. Um, but uh, we, you know, we saw a number of people posting photos of the Batmobile on location. And then Zack Snyder posted his own photo via Twitter of saying, you know, he's a real Batmobile and showing it in, in a really stark light. And, you know, it looked really good from in front and caused a bit of a stir amongst people uh, about these... Um, uh, machine guns mounted on the front of the Batmobile because Batman is supposed to be anti-guns, uh, but yet when you think about it, looking back at other movies, Batman movies, there have been guns uh, on the on the Bat Pod, on the uh, the 1989 Batman movie. He had uh, you know guns that came out of the front. So on the Batmobile itself, there have been guns all the time, but Batman himself doesn't usually use handguns. Right. I mean. Uh, you're correct, and and you know people have also mentioned that um, in the uh, in the first Burton movie, it seemed as though he was firing the guns and using bombs and blowing up entire factories with mm. living people inside them. Which I think um, when I watched those movies when I was young, that didn't phase me as much as it does these days, where we all want to say our heroes never kill anybody and uh, Superman would never snap Zod's neck, even if it meant the whole world would be destroyed if he didn't, and 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 Batman doesn't use guns under any circumstances. But in that movie, as you say, yeah, he was clearly uh, using guns, and uh, the, one of the reasons that it's come about and, and that most people seem to be thinking is the reason here is that it's kind of an anti-other vehicle gun and not so much um, for shooting people. Mm, exactly. And we've seen the Batmobile in, used in a, a car chase. There seem to be you know, gunfire, explosions, um, lots of explosions and, and you know stuff happening in Detroit. Uh, the... Um, Michigan uh, train station, the, the abandoned train station now there uh, is been used over a number of nights in recent weeks uh, for some night filming. They've had helicopters, smoke, explosions, uh, searchlights, all kinds of 
things happening, keeping the locals awake at night with all these... I mean, they were warned with notices saying that there would be pyrotechnics and things happening for the filming, uh, but it seems like a very active and action-packed uh, shoot. Yeah, I mean, I find it all very exciting. I've been talking to a number of different people, and, and it, it seems to me that you know we're so far away from this movie being released, and yet we're really seeing a lot of filmed footage and a lot of action scenes going on, a lot of big stuff happening. And uh, I know we've talked about how the after effects and stuff take time to put in, so they need that extra year or whatever. But um, I don't remember seeing this kind of action and, and this kind of stuff really leaking out and getting out to everyone for Man of Steel or for the Dark Knight films or, or really for any films in general. I mean, I'm not studying lots of other films yeah. and, and looking for a lot of information, but I, I just don't remember seeing this kind of stuff this far in advance. Yeah, no, it's been really cool. And there's also been a, um, a Gotham City... Um, Gotham City gas uh, tank and there's been an explosion we saw the gas tank in its full form and then the next day when people took photos of the gas uh, from the, the, the truck the, um, the semi-trailer or semi-trailer as we say was uh, seemed to be blown apart uh, so there seems to be some kind of explosion there at the Gotham City gas uh, company so lots of different things happening and you just wonder how they're all going to connect and I guess while we are seeing these kinds of things as you say there seems to be a lot that we are seeing as far as photos and that we don't really know how they fit or it's, it's not really spoiler territory mm. well it's spoiler-ish in that we know uh, you know uh, I guess we always could have assumed that Batman would be Batman and that there would be a Batmobile and you know but the the, the initial photos we were seeing were were of a suit wearing tie wearing Bruce Wayne uh, running around saving uh, a child and and looking kind of annoyed and miffed, which I guess Batman is supposed to look, but not necessarily in a bat suit, not necessarily in a Batmobile. And there was word that he was going to be older and that he had already retired and that kind of thing. So, and of course, we've seen the bat suit. So speculation then would lead you to believe that he's going to wear it at some point and actually be Batman. But what we were seeing initially were were this this I guess cell phone footage of him saving this girl and, and such, and it's just very interesting to me that that security is so not there <laughs> that they're allowing people to get out so much of this stuff in advance. I mean, I would have liked to see live footage of Henry Cavill coming out of the uh, jail. Um, that's why I didn't mention it as my, the coolest thing I think I've seen. Mm. It was really neat to see him and really neat to see that he's in glasses and people were worried about that. And he really does look like Clark Kent, reporter on a case doing his job, which is great to see. We don't really know how we're going to get to that because we didn't really we didn't really get to that at the end of Man of Steel. We got to the beginning of that or the I guess the start of that idea. But now we're moving ahead and we've got other characters involved and, and each character is not, therefore not going to have as much time to see a lot of development into those life choices that lead him to be a reporter by day and, and go to Gotham City. But uh, what I find interesting, and of course it's, it, it, it depends on who's there with what cell phone from what distance and is able to get whatever it is that's going on, it seemed like Clark was maybe having a conversation with someone outside a car outside the jail. Mm. And that maybe it got a little heated based on what I was hearing. 
Um, but who knows? And then, of course, we got to see live footage of, of Bruce Wayne and also Ben Affleck's stunt doubles as Bruce Wayne doing different things. So it would have been neat to see some video of uh, of Clark Kent as well. But uh, we didn't really get that. So that's unfortunate. But we did see Lawrence Fishburne, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, with everything that's going on in the film, I just don't know how we have time for all these peripheral characters, Alfred and Perry and Martha and where Lois is going to fit in and how all of this is going to, how they're going to use all of these characters in such a loaded film and how they're all going to have time to be in the story. Well, I haven't heard it's uh, six hours long. Oh, well, <laughs> that makes sense. I got no problem with that. But I'm as one you, of the few. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm with you there. Um, but as you mentioned, Lawrence Fishburne has now been spotted on location, which is uh, another piece of the puzzle. I think uh, that's pretty much... All the major cast members have now been spotted uh, in and around Detroit, Michigan, um, filming different, you know, filming their scenes, um, you know, from uh, Amy Adams as Lois, as you mentioned, Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne and and Batman and uh, Henry Cavill as Clark and Superman. We've got um, Tao Okamoto in whatever role people think that she might be Mercy. We've got Holly Hunter playing whatever role she's playing. Scoot McNary with his green screen socks. Uh, we've uh, seen um, what's his name, who's playing uh, Alfred, appear, uh, arrive at the uh, the airport, obviously on his way in to to do his filming. Jeremy Irons. Uh, Jeremy Irons. Uh, I think the only one left, really, out of the major cast is uh, Diane Lane, who, as we know, will be taking part, or we hope, we imagine, will be taking part in the filming when they head to the Kent Farmhouse location in November, we're being told, that they will start going, they'll head to Yorkville for the um, filming at the Kent Farmhouse, which has been reconstructed after it was pulled down after the end of Man of Steel. Uh, We see that it's been fully um, fixed, which uh, will be interesting to see how they play that, knowing that the Kryptonians had demolished part of the house and part of the barn when they uh, were looking for Superman and looking for um, the the Codex. So we wait to see how that plays in to Batman v Superman. But uh, I think that's pretty much all the cast members. Can you think of anybody... Who out of the major cast members who hasn't been spotted to date? Well, uh, major cast members. No, I was going to say Henry, Henry Lennox, uh, Harry Harry Lennox, yeah. uh, because I didn't even think he'd be in the film because it seems like his part was over. But uh, with all the talking he's been doing about the movie, it seems like he's certainly involved. So it'll be interesting for me to see what his role is actually going to be. And I know if we get to the Kent farmhouse. And I keep seeing and hearing a lot of uh, uh, things about the Batmobile screeching around on Kent farmland and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Bruce Wayne uh, yanking people out of the way of things in Kansas. Uh, I'm going to start to really think something is up with the disappearance <laughs> of Superman. Yeah, so uh, that's what's been happening with the filming of Batman <laughs> v Superman Dawn of Justice. Uh, we know that they're also headed to Morocco at some stage between now and the end of the year, so... Uh, wait to see if we get any photos from that area. But to, the, to date, that's where things are at with Batman v Superman as far as production is concerned. We did uh, see a number of the cast and crew. Or uh, We saw um, Zack Snyder. We saw... Um, oh, I forgot, forgot to mention earlier. We also know, obviously, that Gal Gadot is in and around the movie as well. Um, but she and Zack Snyder and Ben Affleck had all done the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, and we were waiting 
to see if Henry Cavill would be in on that. And then, and actually on our live Monday night show uh, with Michael Bailey, I mentioned to him that it would be cool to see uh, Henry do it in full Superman costume. And then lo and behold, a couple of days later, we saw a video of not only Henry Cavill as Superman doing the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, but Amy Adams as Lois Lane sitting side by side. Uh, it was quite cool, I thought. What did you make of that? Well, you know, I'm going to tell you what happened here, Steve. Oh. I, I, you know, because a lot of people are unaware of this, and I just like to fill everybody in to make sure everybody's on the same page. Uh, I did a uh, Great Scott yes. uh, video challenging you yes, and challenging Henry Cavill and Amy Adams and um, also, uh, I think I challenged Diane Lane. And, and of course, uh, after I challenged them, um, not too long after, you mentioned on the thing that uh, it, would be, it would be nice uh, to see Henry Cavill do it in full Superman uniform. So just as he was about to dump it on his head, he realized he was still dressed as Henry Cavill and he right. needed to change into his alter ego and become Superman, you know, to really... Uh, answer the challenge as it was given and this is what he did and of course amy adams knew she had to do it too because she was called out and i'm still waiting for diane lane but you see the power of the superman homepage. Oh, of course big time i mean if not for us they wouldn't have done it well who would really <laughs> but uh it was very cool to see them do it and uh, i thought it was uh quite interesting how uh, Henry just had, you know, bucket after bucket and bigger bucket after bigger bucket getting dumped <sighs> on his head, uh, true to the Superman uh, character. Uh, and it was, yeah, he, he almost broke. I mean, he's playing Henry, obviously, there, being himself, I'm saying, as was Amy Adams, you know, calling out her siblings to do the challenge as well. But um, it, it was interesting to see Henry as himself, but in the Superman costume, when the water got dumped on him and how cold it was and just, you know, what a trooper he was just to sit through it all. Yeah. He used a lot more than I did, for sure. <laughs> Each of his buckets were, f f f you know, more and more full, and I think they were they were the size of wastebaskets. You know, they needed large. two people to carry them. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, there was a lot going on there. You know, he uh, he got wet. Of course, it could have been nice warm bath water. Who knows? But uh, It didn't look like it. He said it was cold, so yeah, we'll take him at so, his word. Uh, well done to them for, for doing it. Uh, quite an interesting video and uh, quite fun to watch. So if you haven't checked it out, uh, do so. Um, but uh, other than that, some other fun that they've been having with this movie. And it's um, quite cool to see the Superman-Batman film in conjunction with J.J. Abrams and his upcoming Star Wars films doing these mashups, these crossover things that Zack Snyder and JJ are doing, you know, back and forth on Twitter and Instagram and where they combine the two worlds. Uh, we've seen, we started off with Henry Cavill dressed as a super Jedi with the lightsaber, you know, in the, the hooded thing. And then we saw, um, uh, what did we say? We saw C-3PO as the, the, the Cape Crusader. We saw... Um, Batman and R2-D2 walking through, um, you know, a, a, a landscape, a sandy landscape. And then this stupid, ridiculous um, rumour about somebody in Detroit having stolen one of the Batmobiles from the set and taking it for a joyride and police got involved. It was a ridiculous rumour. There was no truth to it whatsoever. But uh, Zack Snyder, being the kind of person that he is, took uh, poked fun at it and... You know, uh, horned in his uh, Batman, Superman, Star Wars mashup uh, to do so, 
by posting a photo of a stormtrooper being arrested by the Gotham City Police with the uh, having taken the, the Batmobile for a joyride and being put into uh, a Gotham Police car. So I, I, this is the craziest thing I think I've ever seen as far as movies go. And again, I'm not following lots of other movies really closely, but and it, it's probably... I can only imagine that it's a benefit of being in the age that we're in with Twitter and Instagram. And mm-hmm. because we're in the social media age, this kind of thing um, is really possible now. And it's really cool that I didn't even – I mean I don't think they have a personal relationship, J.J. Abrams and Zack Snyder. But it's really neat that they have this thing going back and forth and that they're both seemingly fans of the other franchise. And they're kind of doing little homages and – and, uh, you know, seeing those, st- even those still shots, which is where it started, and, mm. and and each of the characters, you know, taking on some sort of element from the other franchise. And, uh, you know, when it started with Henry Cavill, I just, I didn't even necessarily attribute it to some sort of crossover with the Star Wars movie. I just thought, you know, he's in that robe that they wear to cover their uniform, and he just got a picture, and then later on they photoshopped a uh, lightsaber mm. in. But it turns out this is some sort of, long-term plan that they're uh, that they're doing and and just uh, cool to and i guess you can you know when you when you when you have money and budgeting and you have access to the other studios and things you can get items like a storm a full stormtrooper outfit to have in your photo and you know these are kind of photos that regular everyday people wouldn't be able to 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 uh make but uh, it's really cool to see that the guys are kind of um you know, uh, in good spirits yeah. and happy and, and joking around with each other. Yeah, and then, uh, as you said, it was all, you know, photos to that point in time. And then J.J. Abrams um, up one-upped uh, Zack Snyder by putting together a video showing the Millennium Falcon from the upcoming Star Wars films. But as you kind of scan across the body of it and, the, you know, all the ins and outs, the crevices and, the you know, the parts of the, of the spaceship, uh, it zooms in on one particular area where there seems to be a, um, a, a Batman tumbler, the, uh, the Batmobile, um, stowing away there on board the Millennium Falcon as part of the, the spaceship. Uh, it's uh, not the Batmobile of the current and upcoming movie, but of the previous films, but it's still, again, that mashup idea of you know the, the Superman-Batman franchise joining forces with the, uh, the Star Wars franchise. I really loved it. It was really, really cool to see, you know, uh, and some of this instrumentation, obviously, that's been pulled from the franchises that already exist is some of the greatest, you know, some great music and, you know, Star Wars themes and some of the greatest music written ever and, uh, you know, for movies. And then a lot of people love the Dark Knight theme. And of course, that's what it transitioned into as we were moving in to see that the Batmobile was there Mm. and. I just thought it was real fun and really cool, and it 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 always makes me when I see something like that, and and you know it usually comes from like a fan film. There are a lot of Star Wars fan films out yeah. there, and they look really good. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the acting's not good, the writing's not that good sometimes, but the effects and the ability to make a Jedi flip around and use lightsabers and the ships flying, and there's Star Trek ones out there too, and they look really good. They're yeah. short, and you know they're not like movie length, but it's it's crazy how easy it seems to be, and and then I get to thinking. So why do these movies cost so much to make, and why do they take so long? If he's able, clearly that wasn't a completely finished piece. It looked a little more animated than what you want in a final product. But the Millennium Falcon was there, and 
they were able to run across it and I mean, they clearly made that you know they're not spending hours and hours of of man time uh, making a, a goof reel but um the the time whatever time they put into it they were able to make something pretty cool and uh seemingly pretty i mean i don't know how easy it was but it, but the, again they couldn't have spent that much time on it so i'm not sure what they're doing on these movies that takes them so long and costs them so much money if people at home in their backyards can make these Star Wars films and Star Trek films and have them look so good. Yeah, so uh, that's where those uh, mashups are. We look forward to seeing more of those as the next year and a bit continue to see what they uh, come up with. Uh, but I think we as the fans just benefit from this uh, fun little thing that they're doing between them. It's, it's fun to see uh, these crossovers because you couldn't get them in any official capacity you know, with uh, legalities and stuff going on, but uh, it's fun to see the two directors having a bit of fun there with the two franchises. Okay, uh, moving, that's pretty much it for the movie talk. Um, as I say, with lots going on, but it's not really a lot of, you know, a lot to talk about because we don't really know what's going on too much behind what they're filming. So let's look into some of the TV, and we do actually have something to talk about in TV terms this month. And this is a very exciting story that uh, kind of has skipped pretty forward pretty quickly. We had heard that there was a rumour going on around that a live-action Supergirl TV series was being pitched to the networks, was a possibility, could happen. It was very early stages. They'd let us know more if and when it happened. And then within a week or so of that story breaking, we now have confirmation that CBS is giving a long-term commitment to a live-action Supergirl TV series by the same producers that are doing the Flash TV series. So, very exciting news. It's happening so quickly that that this past Speeding Bulletin, uh, you may have had time to add in that CBS had picked it up, uh, but I had already filmed my part, mm. and I think the same day I filmed or the very next day they announced that CBS was the one that was going to be doing it when initially... It was, CW's already turned it down, but we really haven't gone to other networks yet. We really don't have anything to show. There's nothing really going on. But soon we anticipate going out to some other networks to, uh, well, within a day or hours, them saying, oh, CBS has got it. Yeah, so uh, Greg Belanti is the TV uh, executive producer who is on board with this. Uh, and as you say, he had said, uh, what, just a couple of days before the announcement saying that uh, we haven't gone to the networks yet, I'll be happy, very excited to talk about it once we know where its home will be and, and that kind of stuff, but not at this moment. So uh, that was an interview that he did with um, with well, Comic Book Resources, got that, uh, that quote from him. Um, but yet, so that was on September 9th, we reported on that, yet on September 19th, which seems like it's a 10-day period, but it's quite a quite a quick amount of time to actually do a deal. Um, CBS has agreed to pick up the live-action Supergirl TV series uh, pitched by the DC Entertainment with uh, T the Flash TV series executive producer Greg Belanti. Uh, it's an hour-long drama, um, centres on Kara Zor-El, Superman's cousin, who was born on the planet Krypton and escaped amid its destruction years ago. Since arriving on Earth, she has been hiding the powers she shares with her famous cousin, but now at age 24, she decides to embrace her superhuman abilities and be the hero she was always meant to be. Now, 24, would you call yourself Supergirl if you were 24? 
Uh, I don't think I would ever call myself Supergirl <laughs> at any age, but um, uh, you know, for years and years, I've uh, been hounded by people who aren't Superman fans or who know that I'm such a big Superman fan that they think they can get under my skin. So, uh, a big thing I've always heard is how dumb the name Superman is, you know, and, and it's, you know, I think it started, there was some comedian who did it and it was funny. The idea that, Hmm, you know, I'm a guy, I'm, uh, I've got all these powers. I'm kind of super and I'm a man, so I'll be Superman, you know, um, the same kind of thing with Supergirl. And, you know, when Supergirl was first created, she was kind of created to, I assume, interest female fans into reading a story about Superman who happens to be a girl. And she was younger, so she was called Supergirl. And also, I don't really think Superwoman has the same kind of bring to it. They have had several incarnations of Superwoman in the comics. But um, Supergirl is is by far the more popular incarnation and, mm-hmm. and, and by far the name most people are familiar with. So, uh, I mean, I, I guess... Technically, a girl is someone who hasn't yet fully matured into a woman, but non-technically, you could say women are girls. Sure, uh, just like you know, you walk into a bar or whatever and go, "Hey, girls," or you know, uh, when you talk to people, you you, you say, "Hey, girls," or you know, uh, I don't think it's really it necessarily needs to be a literal transi- translation of what sure. a girl is. Yeah. Uh, but it is interesting that they've chosen to go the adult route um if it were on the cw i'd be more surprised because it does often seem like that's the way they want to go everybody being really young if you Mm. look at the upcoming flash show not only is flash nine years old but (laughs) all of the scientists and doctors who would have had to go through regular school doctor school scientist school for years and years and years are now 12 years old and they're surrounding him as he wakes up from his coma um so it's clearly the, the CW thing where everybody on their channels has to be young and model-like and really good-looking. And um, Whereas on a lot of the other networks, they've gone the way over the last 10 years or so of more regular-looking people being in more believable roles where you go, oh, yeah, that guy could be a cop because he's not necessarily um, uh, superhumanly beautiful, uh, which most people aren't. Um, there are some people, but with the CW, you almost always get a model in every role. So it's interesting that they're going with the older version, but it makes a little more sense uh, being that it's going to be on a what I consider a real network. And um, I'm a little concerned. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of taking a stand of I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, it happened so quickly and, and, and word changed so fast from what they were initially telling us. And I don't know that I have great expectation for a superhero show on cbs but we'll see what happens i mean um you know a lot of times these networks order a series or pick up a series or say they're going to put on a series and then they don't like what they get and the show never airs Mm, what happened with the wonder woman pilot so we could see that happening again and I, i you know not to be negative but i fully expect that is what we will see that's I mean, that that I, I really don't see this becoming a show. I just don't. And and I don't I, you know, maybe I'm just being my normal negative self, but I just feel like I'm being realistic and I don't I don't really see it going anywhere. I hope it does. I hope I'm wrong. And if it does, I hope that they do some sort of a connection to Superman because Supergirl 
uh, is tied in with Superman and should be. It's one of my biggest complaints with the comic book series since they relaunched the new 52. There's just not enough. I understand he can't be the hero in her book, but he's got to be around. He's got to be involved. He's got to be talked about. They should have used eight or ten issues of him being in the book, teaching her and talking to her and, and getting to know her and becoming family with her. But that's not what they wanted to do. They wanted angry Supergirl. They wanted Supergirl who hated everybody. And, and Superman just seemed to be apathetic about that and didn't care, didn't look into it, and didn't check up on her. Um, and now she's gone through horrible things and with no family and nobody to help her out. So of course she's going to be bitter. Uh, I just don't, I don't see Superman being that way way toward a family member and especially um, as we've seen him be toward Supergirl over the years we know that he really takes seriously his responsibility to help her and protect her and teach her and take care of her uh, at the same time where she can save him too but uh, just ignoring her and not being involved at all which I think they would have to do on a television show there just wouldn't be a Superman or there wouldn't be any mention of Superman because the film franchise is going on now and they've already said these shows aren't going to cross over and they're not going to be in the same universe. So I don't know. Does that mean they're going to have a different person being Superman on, on a TV show about Supergirl? Probably not. So I don't know. I, I, I It seems like a really tough sell to begin with. Um, but networks are often trying to find that hard to please or hard to capture demo of of young to adult women, which uh, are not generally uh, the people who are going to movies and reading comic books and, and watching TV. And this isn't, you know, I'm not saying anything negative toward women. Uh, I'm saying that in general, they're not the ones who drive the industry because they just don't really seem to care that much about this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, there are plenty who do. I've met plenty on Facebook. I know plenty in, in real life that, that really do like this kind of stuff. But, in general, it's men that, that drive science fiction and fantasy and and, and movies and, and, and things like that. So they're always trying to come up with films that will appeal to uh, the base that they're not getting, and that's, that is women, I, I think. I mean, I don't think I'm really speaking out of school. So no, no, I think you're um, right there. But um, it will be interesting to see, uh, I mean, with The Flash and Arrow doing, or Arrow doing so well and The Flash about to start and they've got Gotham and they've got... Um, other superhero TV shows about to start from the DC Entertainment uh, group, um, it's probably more likely to be picked up now than, say, the Wonder Woman show was because of the fact that there are so much and so many successful TV shows about superheroes <laughs> launching. Uh, but the whole problem of... Well, because Wonder Woman also looked horrible. That might be... <laughs> but the, the, the whole drama or... or, uh, or issue of getting Superman involved or not involved is going to be tricky um, because, you know, you are automatically connected to the Superman character. So for him not to show up, there has to be a reason. There has to be, um, and if he does show up, then, you know, do you get Henry Cavill? Or, but then you are, you are connecting the two universes, like you say. So yeah, we'll be watching this space as far as the Supergirl TV show is concerned for this and other reasons. Uh, we're also wondering about casting. Who will they get to play Supergirl? All these things we'll be keeping an eye on for the Superman homepage. And we'll be asking our big question in this podcast 
about this Supergirl TV series. So uh, hang around for that. But uh, you know, I also think that part of the reason that uh, that, that all of these uh, people involved, the creatives that are involved, uh, announcing, letting everybody know in advance, no, 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 nothing's going to be crossed over. None of these franchises are going to be crossed over. TV is TV, and movies is movies, and you're never going to see um, a Stephen Amell as Green Arrow in the in the movie franchise, and you're never going to see the Flash as portrayed on TV in the movie franchise. Is is because they're lazy. And because they're not as willing to really get down in there and, and research and plan and write and be together and know that they're, uh, they've got a continuity and know that they want to really be involved. They just they kind of want to, as was proven to me with Smallville, they kind of want to just wind up the wheels and, and let it go and not really be too involved. You know, they have writers that work. That's their job. But other than that, they don't really want to be involved with other you know, productions and other studios and other uh, departments and people crossing over, whereas Marvel really wants to be involved and Marvel wants them to be crossed over and wants to show that it's a cohesive universe. And again, I just admire Marvel for what they've done. It is exciting that, that DC is bringing more and more to TV now, but it really seems, again, it seems like catch up again. It seems like, wow, Marvel's doing this. We really need to we really need to get off our asses and, and start getting to work here. And so we're getting rushed uh, commitments from CBS on Supergirl. And, you know, we're, we're coming to TV with another show and Gotham's on. And who knows what's going to be successful and what's not. But but what other reason would there be other than it's just too hard? It's too hard for us to cross over all these things. We just got to um, let each show be separate because there's too much work involved. And, and, and to, you know, from a standpoint of wanting things to make sense and wanting to enjoy shows and wanting to enjoy the franchises overall, there's no less brave words than it's just too hard for us to do that. Not that they said that, but that's what I think it is. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that this is a rush. I just think that because we're in the day and age of of the internet of of information and being always leaked online about certain things and rumors and things being thrown around that you know we think oh because this has happened in 10 days that it seems to be rushed but we don't know how the executives work and how these pitches are done and how these commitments happen um for us to to be able to judge and think that it's a rushed decision um we do know that dc entertainment is if, in my opinion, winning the superhero TV race as far as between them and Marvel. Marvel have got S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and you know, beyond that, there isn't too much else out there. But where, you know, the DC Entertainment side of things, they've, you know, like as I said, they've got, they had Smallville, they've got Arrow, they've got Flash, Constantine, Gotham. You know, there's so much happening Well, these there. are shows that haven't launched yet. I mean, Marvel has Peggy Carter coming. Uh, at the same time that flat the same season that flash is going to be coming it's connected to shield and it's it's uh, about uh, uh you know captain america's girlfriend uh from from the original uh captain america movie and and um they also have the netflix deal with these grittier more realistic more serious more adult series and once that happens i don't really think anything dc puts out is going to be able to measure up i mean netflix is just got the ability to put whatever they want out there. You know, you, you, you've got nudity and blood and violence and seriousness and cursing and just the way people talk and, and the way lives really go. Uh, four shows coming coming from Marvel Studios uh, that, that will be streaming on Netflix. Um, 
And uh, Netflix is really, you know, they're winning awards. They're they're getting nominated for everything. Um, uh, Netflix has got it over over uh, regular networks in almost every single way. Oh, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens and how it does pan out. Um, I'm I'm you know very keen for this Supergirl thing to to happen. And I hope it does happen, and uh, we'll wait and see whether it's successful or not. Whether all the other DC Entertainment TV shows are successful and how they continue on. But talking about Netflix and you know things happening online. Uh, Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment announced this month that uh, they're partnering with, uh, I think it's pronounced Machinima. Uh, people want to pronounce it Machinima or Machinima, but uh, it's a collaboration between the two, and they're coming out with a new animated short form series titled Justice League Gods and Monsters Chronicles from Bruce Timm and Alan Burnett, who are both uh, legendary producers on. Superman the Animated Series, Batman the Animated Series, and Justice League, and those kinds of TV shows. Uh, the digital series is based on Justice League Gods and Monsters, which is an upcoming original animated film uh, that will be released later this year, sorry, later in 2015. Um, and Chronicles will focus on an alternate version of DC Comics' iconic Justice League members, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Yeah, they're uh, said to be darker versions of their mm. characters, and this is kind of drawn ire, as almost everything seems to do in one way or another. Um, why, why dark again? Why do we got to see dark versions? And I mean, I kind of, I tend to agree in one way, and that is, it does really seem like they really love making these characters not who they are. They love to the make them versions. You know, the bad boys, they love to make them more violent. They love to make them um, not Superman and not Wonder Woman and not Batman. Now, uh, that being said, these guys don't specifically need to be criticized for doing it. I mean, the idea came from a comic book that was called the same thing, even though it's not based on that, we've been told. Um, uh, kind of seems weird since it is sort of the same idea. Uh, but... Um, uh, and 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 the, the the characters have been used in many dark ways in Elseworld stories and Earth Two versions and for years and years and years. It's not like it's a new idea. So the one thing you can say is it's not like these guys are doing anything original. I mean, it's been done before. It's been done many times, and it's something that's going to continue to happen as long as people want to see darker versions of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. So that's what we're getting, and it's going to be a short. I think three part uh, is what I read, um, um, miniseries and then and then movie. Yeah, well, uh, oh, okay. yeah, Justice League: Gods and Monsters Chronicles explores a newly conceived reality in the DC universe where Justice League members Superman, Batman, and Woman Wonder Woman are much darker versions of the superheroes that people think they know, as you mentioned. The episodes are expected to de debut on Macinema in spring 2015, weeks before the launch of the film Justice League: Gods and Monsters. More details on each episode of these Chronicles will be released in the upcoming months. So we'll keep you posted on that development. It's always exciting when anytime, you know, we hear these kind of things and, you know, the DC Animation Studio has been, been pumping out pretty decent um, movie incarnations since they started this whole thing. So, I mean, I'm glad to still have them going and, and uh, you know, I enjoy watching whatever they bring and you like some more than others and, this will be the same, no, you know, no different as to, as to whether you like it or you don't. Yep. So uh, that's what's happening there with that uh, 
animated miniseries. Now, let's move into our comic book discussions, and we are deep within the uh, the month of Future's End comic books. But before we get into Future's End, we should catch up on some of the comic books that came out uh, at the end of last month, the end of August, which we didn't get to chat about, um, and beginning of September, were which we'll start with Superman number 34, which is uh, the John Romita Jr., Jeff Johns, uh, Ulysses stories, part three of that saga, where we pretty much get the origin story, or Ulysses learns about his origin from his parents. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the story from the standpoint of um, it's really clear that they keep they keep showing close-ups of Superman while he's listening to this happening because it's uh, obviously mirrors uh, his own origin, and um, uh, he'll never get to have that sort of a connection with the parents that he's missing um, and his you know planet being gone. So it's uh, heartbreaking on one hand, but he's also very proud that he was able to bring this family back together, so it's very nice to see that. Mm. Um, it's also clear that Ulysses doesn't, quite understand the code that Superman has in terms of how you handle criminals and how you handle situations and that you don't kill and this sort of thing. And, and we end with a little situation where um, Ulysses needing to stop the bad guy does indeed kill him and, and uh, Superman saying, what have you done? You know, And it turns out that it's not the bad guy that he kills. It's the It's some innocent guy that apparently the uh, uh, guy was using was uh, I can't think of his name, but he was this new the machinist. Yeah, the machinist. That's him. I kept seeing to see a likeness of uh, Christian Bale. Wasn't he in a movie called yeah, the Machinist? He was. Um, uh, so apparently he was using his little drones to control this innocent guy, um, but he was using a recorded vo- or a uh, voice through a communication system that the heroes were hearing. And uh, we're in a little uh, to-be-continued situation again. Um, I got to mention this, and I already did, and, and I, you know, maybe it doesn't behoove me to do so, but this is the, the some of the worst, most sloppy, lazy artwork <laughs> I have ever seen. And this guy is heralded as being the next coming of uh, the greatest thing ever, and, and I just don't – I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't see how he's a premier name. Um, uh, what do you think of the artwork? Yeah, it's not nothing special to me. If anything, it's not to my liking. I mean, it, his you know his panels aren't fantastic, or you know, or anything. His angles aren't anything you know that imaginary. You know, imaginative. It's it's not like there's something that's above and beyond any other artist that we've seen on any other comic that we're reading. If anything, it's probably a little less. Uh, you know, um, detailed than some of the other comics that I read and, and, and look at. So I, I'm not really impressed. You know, there's this whole big thing of John Romita Jr. doesn't really impress me. I'm not that, you know, I'm, I'm not that fussed that he's the, the artist on board this comic. It's not really doing anything, anything extra special for the story. So I'm not really, I'm like you, I don't really see the fuss you know, yeah, I mean, I think it's below all the others. I think yeah, you're in being some generous, panels, which, which definitely is you know good, good to be. But uh, yeah, the story is good, but that's Jeff Johns, I yeah. guess. You know, yeah. it's interesting. Um, so. Also interested to how 
I mean, the, the whole fact that Ulysses being close to Superman, whenever he's close, that Superman's powers seem to be, you know, a little bit affected, that he doesn't seem to have full control of them when he's around Ulysses is an interesting little kind of sidebar that I'm sure will have some further ramifications down the line. Well, um, I, I mean, I anticipate Ulysses isn't going to be around when we reach no. the end of this story for one reason or another, so that might very well play into um, the need to get rid of him or whatever, however that's going to be, you know. Um, yeah. uh, he may not be – maybe maybe he'll find out that he can't survive in this world or, or, or something along those lines or maybe, um, you know, he, he'll he'll – He'll die in a blaze of glory. Who knows? But Who knows? Uh, so we'll wait. Speaking of you know, speaking of art that's better than other art, the the Batman Superman number thirteen, mm -hmm. and moving forward and and moving backward, I the, the stories are sometimes confusing, and I'm not sure I love the title as a whole, but the artwork is fantastic in Batman Superman. Yeah, see, I really like Lee's artwork, uh, Jay Lee. I think it's very well suited to the story being told, yet there are some people who just don't like his style for Superman and Batman you know, for a superhero story. But I think for the it's story... It's not sloppy. No, that's, that's for sure. It's very detailed and very unique. Uh, so I quite like his art style. I first heard of... Of, oh, sorry, not heard of him, but saw his artwork in the um, the, the Dark Tower Stephen King mm -hmm. comic books that uh, he draws. Those are great books. Yeah, and um, so I quite like his art style, but um, some people are saying it's not suited to a superhero comic book, but I quite like it here in Batman Superman, and um, I'm enjoying this story. I'm, you know, I think it's an interesting take on the two characters. I don't understand why Superman's naked, yet Batman comes back fully costumed. Um, but uh, I, mean, I guess, you know, it is what it is. Well, um, let me fill you in. Superman always has to be the one who looks goofy or silly <laughs> or childlike, um, whereas uh, Batman has to be cool and has to have the cool car and has to go to a cool party and has to make a cool joke, um, whereas Superman is this naive, baby-like figure that gets thrown back in uh, in his naked body form, um, even though I still like the scene with him and Catwoman, and I, I, I actually enjoy the story. Um it is. It is. That's my take on it, and that's the way it's. Because it doesn't make any sense, you know. If but if, it is. It is if, interesting seeing Batman's reaction to his reflection when he sees himself dressed up as a bat. He says, "Oh boy, what is this yeah. masquerade? <laughs> a game? Like he's like, why? Why am I dressed as a bat?" But he doesn't have much time to think about that because uh, he's being um, chased and hunted down uh, by. Um, Scarecrow. Scarecrow. And uh, it's quite interesting to s just to see their personalities are there, but they don't know who they are. They don't know what they, where they are. They don't know why things are happening, but yet their natural instincts come out um, uh, to, to, you know, to the front when they're in a dangerous situation. And um, uh, it just, I thought it was funny how Superman just happened to find a red piece of material to cover his nether regions <laughs> yeah I, I assumed that was his cape but then i guess if you do that you gotta figure out where the rest of his costume <laughs> went so i don't know you're right i mean why did he have a red piece of material to cover up with i'm not exactly sure he actually i mean i think it works for the coloration of the story but i'm not sure that it needed to be there um because they could have just had shading or 
you know, mm. darkness in that area when he was. There weren't that many shots of him. Uh, I don't full think um, full anyway. So yeah. I think it would have worked okay. But um, you know, it's an interesting thing. It seems to keep resetting. This we seem to keep getting the same demon, the same story, the yeah, same, same prankster. Uh, we just met again, and we don't know each other again. And and now now it's a little deeper because now they don't know each other and they don't know themselves. Yeah. And, um, uh, but it's it's kind of like a. It reminds me of like a Mixius Pitlick story um, mm-hmm. where he's messing around, except it seems like it's a little darker and a little yeah. more serious. So, But that, it's enjoyable. Yeah, that was Batman Superman number 13. Now we'll uh, move forward to Superman Unchained number 8, which again, uh, still outside the Future's End story, obviously. Um, we'll get to Future's End after this one. But Superman Unchained finally, finally came out. And continues the battle between Superman and um, what's his name? I could, that's Wraith. Wraith. Um, now this story is interesting because while the battle's continuing, Superman's realizing I have no idea how to defeat this guy. I've done everything I can, everything I can think of, uh, and I, I still don't know how to to beat him. Yet he takes um, inspiration from some of the people in his life, like Lois, Batman. And, and others to come up with new ideas on continuing uh, this fight and, and trying to win the fight. I mean, I know we don't. We both always complain about you know Batman having to come and save the day, and you know the whole idea that Batman, you know, to fight dirty and all this kind of stuff. But I thought it was interesting how the inspiration came from different people in his life for him to to get new ideas. Well, I loved it. I mean, I loved in the last episode of this series seven where. Um, we didn't see Batman save the day. We actually saw both Batman and Wonder Woman fall to this mm. foe and need Superman to come in and save them, which I feel like is very few and far between these days. So it was nice to see what makes complete sense, and and that is that if Superman's having a hard time with this guy, Batman would really only be able to hold out for so long, and I actually thought he held out for too long. I mean, somebody that fast and that strong and that super would just go right to where he was and snap his neck. It wouldn't be like, let me stand here and get hit by all these flying cars and let me stand here and get hit by all your toys. He'd just shrug them off and walk over and grab them. But um, it was interesting there to see Superman um, save his friends. And here, I love the way he appropriated the cape. I love the way he took it off and twisted it around his limbs and had him tied up and used used it as a weapon. Um, Never seen that before. From Superman, I don't believe it's ever been done. So I thought it was a very interesting idea. And this is another book that, and it might be the reason why it takes so long to come out. Um, they also don't rush Batman Superman either, uh, because the artwork is really timed out well. It's planned well. It's it's very clean and it's very good and, it, and it's very um, not sloppy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jim Lee is a great uh, artist. A lot of people have trouble with Jim Lee too. I've heard, but mm, um, you know, it looks a lot cleaner and a lot. It's a lot nicer to look at, even if you don't like how he makes Superman look or his costume or whatever. Being what it is, it just looks great. It's it's very nice to look at, yeah. and uh, the story was good. Uh, I've heard uh, our reviewer on, on the site. Being one of them, people say this isn't my Superman because my Superman wouldn't 
Um, a, fight dirty. B, leave a guy down in the center of the earth. Uh, C, poison the guy and, and, and use essentially use kryptonite on one of his foes and that kind of thing. This, these are tricks that Superman wouldn't do and he leaves him for dead down there. Um, I don't think he expects Wraith to die. I think he expects Wraith will be trapped there. And um, what else can you do with somebody that is unstoppable but trap him somewhere? Mm. And uh, we see Lex Luthor feature at the end of this title, uh, end of this book, which will lead into the ninth and final issue of Superman Unchained. And, um, and I think that's as it should be. Lex should always be the uh, the, mm-hmm. the big bad who's uh, who comes at the end and uh, uses his twisted logic to uh, to try to win the day. Well, what's interesting too is, and this is kind of a title that's outside continuity, um, it does seem like all of the titles, and then now we're seeing in Future's End as we get into it, that um, this this kind of underlying threat since the beginning of action that he's going to be the death of the world, Superman, and he's the danger that everyone's worried about, and, and he's the one that's going to bring harm to everybody, um, almost seems to be playing in at the end of Superman Unchained as well, even though it's unside, outside uh, normal continuity, mm. because Lex here says the same thing. So, uh, yeah, we move into the Future's End um, saga. It's been a weekly series that's been going on for um, a number, for 20 issues as of this recording. Um, and it's not, it's set f- five years into the future. It's, it's, it's a little bit confusing because it's not, there are different stories going on within Future's End. The main one for Superman fans is the about this masked Superman and who he is, and we find out eventually, spoiler alert, that it's not Superman inside, it's actually Captain Marvel, Shazam, sorry, who is um, playing at Superman because he thinks the world needs that inspiration and needs to still think that Superman is around and protecting them, where Superman has actually gone off and given up and decided that he's no longer needed, no longer wants to be around uh, and um, is living a very simple life as a farmer almost in a remote part of the world. Um, and the Future's End titles that are, the number one titles that are happening for all the main books are tying in with this Future's End saga, with this Future's End future, but not at different times almost or different periods of the of this Future's End um, I'm still a little bit confused about the whole thing. I don't know what what your take is on it. Well, it is very confusing, and um, uh, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that I didn't even know this was happening. I didn't have any idea that we were 20 issues into a new weekly series uh, that DC was doing, and I guess the last one being um, 52 or... Um, Maybe or uh, that was a, that was an all-encompassing universal story that involved all the characters and involved a massive change to the universe and that kind of thing. And I guess there's lots of speculation that uh, mostly I think wishful thinking. This is going to reset things and and this is going to fix things and 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 put things. You know, assuming you feel like it needs to be fixed, put things back the way it was before. Uh, they came along and ruined it with the new 52. This is the kind of things I've been hearing. Uh, but I don't know that it's going there. But I didn't really know that there was a uh, – I knew this was Future's End Month and I just thought it was a uh, one-shot thing that was going on through all the books that, that was called Future's End. I didn't realize there was a weekly title going on. So unlike Steve, I'm not completely caught up 
but I did read a few of the standalone, the actual ongoing Futures End title. And like Steve, I find it a little bit confusing. I'm not sure where we are. I'm not sure what happened. And of course, I don't think we're supposed to. I think, I guess the answers are going to come as time goes on. It mm. is a year-long weekly uh, series. But um, it's kind of interesting that that um, it seems like, again, Batman is at the center of this whole thing. And we have Omacs that have been used in storylines past before the New 52. And it was a big mistake Batman made to create this technology. Now they seem to be passing it off to Mr. Terrific, I guess, because no one really cares about that character. And they don't want to slander Batman. So they're kind of moving it off to where Mr. Terrific created the technology that's going to destroy the world. But Batman's somehow still involved. And yet we have... All the superpowered people either being dead or being turned into half cyborgs by the OMAC virus, and yet Batman somehow uh, is able to survive. And we're 35 years into the future when we start, and he sends Terry McGinnis back in time to stop this from happening. Very Terminator, uh, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm very I'm left with the I'm left with the the bad taste in my mouth of why. Just like with the DC Universe Online game, why is Batman the one who needs to set things right? Why is he the one that's around in the future when there are so many? Obviously, I would want it to be Superman because I'm a Superman fan. Obviously, Batman fans would want it to be Batman. But which character makes more sense that would be able to outlast a cybernetic virus, a human in a batsuit, or a superpowered character? Even if it's not Superman, Wonder Woman falls, Superman falls, uh, all of the other, you know, I could, if I thought about it right now, I could name another hundred, you know, superhero, super characters mm. that have powers that that shouldn't fall anytime in any battle before Batman does. And yet here we are again with another situation where um, Batman lasts another 35 years past everybody else and doesn't get killed until he is trying to go out and, and make the leap back in time. And Terry goes back. And I didn't even know Terry was... I did I did realize... You know, I have seen Batman Beyond comics, but I thought they were all based on the animated series, and I never knew that he was appropriated into the comics uh, continuity proper at all. I didn't think he was ever a character. I'm pretty sure he was created just for television, much like uh, Harley Quinn was, and I guess she's in the comics now mm -hmm. too, but um, I didn't know it was a thing that they were doing. But um, uh, I, I, the story is interesting, and if you if if you can totally block out the idea that you're in a superpowered universe, then it makes sense that there could be murders anywhere, ever. Because with all of the, uh, you know, I say the same thing in Iron Man 3 when he's getting attacked and his house is being destroyed and he's part of the Avengers, a team of superpowered individuals who are his friends. It makes no sense that anybody would be able to do that and nobody would come to his aid. It's even worse. It's magnified 10, 100, 1,000, a million fold when you look at the overall universe and you realize that there are all of these superheroes that live in this universe. There should never be a rape. There should never be a murder. There should never be a robbery. And that's the problem with joining the continuities and having everybody in the same universe. It's much simpler when it's just a Spider-Man movie. 
and there's nobody else. But when you start mixing and saying, well, we all live together, then you go, well, where the hell were you when, you know, and it brought it to my attention again in this story in particular, because at the funeral for Arrow, Green Arrow, Ollie, uh, they, they have an argument with uh, Firestorm that he wasn't there. Well, couldn't that same argument be applied to Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, anybody who wasn't there, anybody who didn't come, mm-hmm. all of his friends, anyone who ever knew him? Because everybody that he knows is super. He's one of the few that isn't. And nobody came. Why is it Firestorm's fault? I mean, I realize they were calling him, but they could have called anybody. And normally you don't need to call. Superman just shows up because he knows there's a problem. So he wasn't there either. And it makes no sense to me that any of these superheroes can die. Uh, and obviously, we've talked about this before. They have to have their own story arcs, and dramatic things have to happen. And if every time something happens, a different hero from a different book comes in to help, it would be very anticlimactic. So in that way, we know it has to be that way. Mm. But logically, it makes no sense. And the argument that they have here that he wasn't there, you know, Firestorm, a hero no one cares about and doesn't sell in books – is the one that gets the ire brought upon him when there are so many other heroes standing there right in that lot that could have been there and done something. Yep, no, I understand what you're saying. Uh, and then moving forward, Action Comics Future's End number one um, is the first of the main Superman titles that uh, ties into this Future's End book. And it's a very interesting, and uh, Sholly Fish is just a great writer. He always seems to get at the heart of Superman, and he puts a new spin on this sand superman idea that's obviously a classic story back from way when back when but um it's it gets to the heart of the character in what this sand superman does across different people across different parts of the world and the predicaments that they're in giving them a particular power of supermans at the time and seeing how they react to that and how it betters or worsens their life uh, and then come back to superman at the end i just think it's a really interesting and heartfelt story it is um and and uh, it was kind of emotional and an interesting look into this particular version of uh, Clark, who has given up, and and this is the version they're presenting to us in Future's End. It's another thing that's annoying me about the whole thing. Uh, Batman again, thirty five years into the future, is still fighting, is never giving up. Is you know, and he's a human guy who can barely walk. He's old. Um, he's training other people. He's in a he's in a suit that <clears throat> allows him to move around. And Clark Kent, who has superpowers and should be able to stop any evil from happening at any time in the world, has decided to go out to Africa and stand in a, in a sand field. And, and this is what they present to us because, uh, again, I guess Batman is the god and, and Superman is, um, I guess, this loser who gives up. It, it's very bothersome to me. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't see why it, it, it seemingly is always this way. Yeah, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know why Superman has got to this point in his life because it hasn't been explained yet. We don't know what happened in whatever war that was supposed to have taken place for him to come to this, uh, you know, stance. But uh, if this is the story, this is where it's positioned, then this particular, uh, that what happens in this Action Comics Future's End number one is a great story in and of itself, but I I completely agree with you. I don't I don't know why or how Superman has gotten to this point in his thinking that he would give up the way he has. 
I am keen to oh, see Lois how Lois is that still comes. out there. Wonder Woman's still yeah. out there, so they're not dead. He left the person that he was in love with at the time, Wonder Woman. He left Lois, who he seems to have this kinship with, although I think that's really only for fan service because it's never been shown story-wise. There's no particular reason why he's connected to Lois because um, they didn't have a love affair. They weren't in a romance, and they really didn't even seem to like each other all that much. And uh, they really have not had that many interactions, so I think they just do that for fan service. But anyway, those two most important people in his life are still around, so I'm not really sure. And his parents were already dead, so I don't know what so terrible could have happened that would have him say, well, um, I'll let uh, Bruce Wayne handle it. Mm. So that was Action Comics Futures End number one. Now let's also talk about... um well, let's briefly go Superboy and Supergirl Futures End number one. The Superboy story, I thought, was just totally ridiculous. I agreed with Adam DeChannel, who was our reviewer of the issue. It kind of it wrapped up at the end of Superman number 34, the story. and Superboy. Yet, Superboy, sorry. End of Superboy number 34, the story was finished, done, the title is over. And yet here, the same writer rehashes similar ideas in his Future's End story that just don't make any sense whatsoever in the story that we left off with. Even if it is five years in the future, where are all these Superboys? Weren't they all wrapped up at the end of Superboy number 34? Why are we getting them again in five years' time? Well, I mean, I, I read that review before I went in, so I was kind of prepared for an evil Superboy who was killing people again, and that's not what we got. What we got was a heroic con uh, back where he belongs as Superboy, and we got him uh, saving people from these uh, other clones, which are still out there. I mean, some of them were destroyed in the end of that story, but as we know, we're we're a part of a 52 multiverse, so they could have come from any of the other 52 worlds that they didn't come from before. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, I mean, I don't really... I didn't really find it to be uh, of the four Superman family futures end books. It certainly wasn't the worst from my standpoint, but uh, which is which is funny because I haven't really liked any of the Superboy uh, <laughs> titles since it launched. But um, uh, what I liked about this was um, it was Khan and he was being heroic, and I feel like that's been lacking in the entire Superboy run since it started. Now. From an artwork standpoint, I also think that that hampered the story. I didn't, I didn't really like this artwork whatsoever. I thought it was very cartoony, very weird looking. Um, I think this was a pretty, from my opinion, a weak artistic uh, outing. I think that they're using unknown artists on these, aren't they? They're not the normal. Uh, yeah, well, uh, that that could be the the case. I don't know if that's on all the titles, but definitely on this one, I don't recognize the artist's name. I thought I think I read or uh, or I read in one of the reviewers on the site saying that it's interesting that they're using or maybe on another site um, giving the unknown uh, lesser known artist a chance to step up during this future's end thing. But uh, uh, they may have also just been talking about the stand the uh, ongoing future's end book. But uh, yeah, I mean the art. I don't necessarily think the art um was particularly good on this either but it's hard for me to come down on this art when when uh, superstar artists are doing the work they're doing in that other title so uh, <laughs> yeah i can understand that now supergirl number 30 sorry supergirl futures end number one um is a bit more interesting or was to me than the superboy story um obviously again set in the future um 
We know that the cyborg Superman was in cahoots with Brainiac, and in this story we find out that he has detached from Brainiac and uh, reprogrammed whatever he had to do to be able to escape from Brainiac's clutches and has taken Kara with him and reconfigured her, made her more like himself, a cyborg Supergirl, if you like. And so she's been with him for quite a while now, um, trying to recreate Krypton on all these other worlds. And they failed and failed again. And so they decide to come back to Earth where they find, obviously, that, super, that humans are more like Kryptonians in their look. And if they can get uh, these metahumans or what do they call them? Uh, I think they call them Neo-Sapiens to uh, be able to convert them and, and use their DNA or use their molecules or whatever to be able to create Kryptonians from, then that will be they'll be successful in their in their plan. But Supergirl obviously um, has had a history with some of these other characters that obviously in current time she doesn't. But um, in particular, she has obviously had a relationship with uh, what's his name? Um, his name's Adam, but um, what's his superhero name? Cap- Captain Comet, Adam Blake. And uh, obviously they were in love, and he gets inside her mind to be able to reawaken the memories that had been erased by Cyborg Superman. And she realizes that he's the villain, that she was Kara, and that she, you know, doesn't want to be a cyborg anymore. Um, and, you know, has, a, I guess, a, a crisis of, of conscience and, and destroys parts of herself to be able to remain human, as human as possible. And Cyborg Superman flies away. It's kind of an ongoing theme with her, isn't it? Mm. You know, taking on other personas and deciding to be something else for yeah, a while. Red Lantern. You know, full full of hate and, and full of, you know, it's another thing I was talking about before where um, at the very beginning she said, oh, we both decided to come back to this hell hole where neither of us ever wanted to have to go again, Earth, uh, <laughs> where she was at. And uh, she's just not, and she hasn't been from the beginning of the New 52, a very likable person. She's not a likable character. I I don't care for her. I don't like to read her. I don't really uh, empathize with her. I don't find anything uh, redeemable in her at all, ever. Mm. Um, she does save people eventually, um, so that's good. But why? I mean, there's no really rhyme or reason to it. She's a horrible person. She hates everybody. She hates everything. All she does is complain. And yet, in the end, she goes, well, I better save them. It makes no sense from a character standpoint because she has no interest in humans. She has no interest in saving humans. She has no interest in other Kryptonians. She doesn't like being on Earth. She doesn't like being in space. She doesn't like being with Cyborg. She doesn't like being a Red Lant. She doesn't like anything. Uh, so I, I, so there's not really that much that's enjoyable about these reads, but the story was one of the better Supergirl stories of late, I think. Um, I did, I did enjoy, um, seeing her with Cyborg and, and, uh, Cyborg Superman and then see, seeing how that went down. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping uh, a lot of these stories come to a head in the Future's End book where we see how they ended up that way or, mm. um, you know, how they were eventually taken, or, or you know, assimilated as as Superman was in, uh, 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 I guess, uh, Action Comics, or, or or somewhere he was somewhere uh, back in time. All right, let's go to Superman, Wonder Woman, Futures End number one, 
And uh, in this comic, again, it's set into the future. Um, five years from now, Wonder Woman is in, or she thinks she's uh, been fighting uh, this somebody called Nemesis, but to the big baddie of, of so, supposedly of Future's End, but she's actually been um, beyond Doom's door in Tartarus, where she's been fighting and killing demons. And a Superman from the past comes to rescue her and and set things straight and help her out and uh, they realize that um that nemesis has been has defeated everybody around the world and that uh paradise island is the only place that's and olympus are the only places that are still untouched and uh they go to um olympus to for wonder woman to realize that she doesn't want to be the god of war anymore that's been the problem Instead, she becomes the god of peace. <laughs> I like the way you, I like the way you rolled into that. That was <laughs> very interesting. Um, there are two things here that I, uh, the, the the final page on this one where she is the, I guess, god of peace, mm -hmm. and she's in all that all white. I really like that look. Mm. Uh, everybody gets up in arms whenever they make any kind of a change to a costume, but uh, this would have been an interesting change. Um, to the Wonder Woman look if she was in all white and kind of pure and I know they're never going to go that way but I, I could I could stand that if that was Wonder Woman's sure. look and that also makes me uh, realize that the Superman look in Future's End without the helmet I think I like the uniform much better than I like the new 52 uh, Superman okay. uh, uniform so that would be interesting to see as a change it has more red on it it has more accents on it I think it uh, it pops better, but the story here in uh, Superman Wonder Woman was interesting. I like that Superman again is kind of the uh, you know with all the negativity with Future's End and him seemingly giving up and all that stuff. It's it's nice to see an earlier version of Superman kind of being the symbol of hope again and and pulling people out of their uh, darkness and, and and you know saying things like I could never be your enemy and. Um, you know, I had to come here to get you out. Mm. Now, we also move into, and we're going through these a bit quickly because they are kind of outside of normal continuity but set in Future's End. Um, Batman Superman Future's End number one, which is four years from now, Batman's in hospital. Um, then he wants to help rebuild after this massive war that's happened. We still really don't know what the war is all about. Um, but um, then uh, Superman... Um, in the Batcave comes and, you know, he's angry at Batman and wants to destroy him and, um, you know, Batman realises that um, he's got to get back into this battle suit that uh, the toy, toy master has built uh, so that he can go to the Fortress of Solitude and uh, try uh, to, you know, he tried to convince Crypto and Steel, who's also there, to... Uh, allow him access, um, Metallo attacks. What do you think of this story, Scotty? <sighs> well, um, I don't remember, somehow I don't remember Superman coming and threatening Batman, but um, it's, uh, it's another part of that whole thing where Superman has apparently done something and then decided to leave and... Uh, because of that, uh, he's at least 
partially responsible for Batman becoming. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah, I mean, the injury that happened to Batman, the reason he's in the wheelchair, because he was attacked by Superman, who I'm guessing was under the somebody else's... I thought he was in the wheelchair because he was attacked by Metallo and couldn't... Yeah, because he uh, he uh, uses the last-ditch effort to bring the kryptonite out that overloads Metallo, but he's already had his back broken, and then we go we well, flash back to where we were. And I thought that was the f- that was, I thought that was the final time he got his back broken was with Metallo, but the first time he got his back broken, where he still had that machine that helped him walk, was uh, after he was attacked by Superman and um, and then tries to go, he uses that thing to to. <laughs> Fix himself up, fix up the bat cave. Uh, I, maybe I'm getting confused. I read it last night, but um... yeah, so many books, so many things going on. <laughs> yeah. I, I think when I got to the end of the story, I think I had put together in my mind that it was it was a kind of a backtrack showing us what had happened to get him in that situation. Okay. But we see if we look at the cover. We see Superman is about to hurl the Batmobile onto Batman, mm. uh, so it does seem like he is supposed to be the enemy. Um, I somehow just don't remember him being the one that was responsible, but uh, um, you're probably right. I'm, I'm, I read so many books today. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. So, but at the end, uh, he's trying to call for Clark. You know, they, um, I think Alfred says to him, "You know, did you, did you ever?" actually just call him and you know he calls out clark and waits there night and day in his hospital bed with his back permanently broken and um then there's no answer so he says oh you're too good for the world fine i'll have to i'll have to settle for myself it'll it'll have to settle for me so he realizes that he'll just have to be the one that uh fixes the world on his own without the help of superman so it's obviously still that obviously something's happened the two of them just aren't communicating aren't talking i mean even still says to batman you know you've got to hide turning up here after what you did when it appears at the fortress of solitude saying why would he ever trust anything you had to say you already used him up batman you're on your own now so there's obviously something's happened between the two that has caused them caused a rift between them i'm looking at the pages here not reading them you see batman in the bat cave and then the next shot is superman flying at him and with an explosion six months, happening six months previous on the top of that page uh and batman he doesn't hit batman with the heat vision he's no, exploding he dodged, yeah. something behind him yeah. well he's not really dodging he's just sort of falling backwards. <laughs> <laughs> superman is, and and then it shows him in his suit and then we go back to we go to metallo was the next thing so uh, unless he says it in the dialogue, I didn't see Superman do something to him that broke his back. But uh, uh, I'm sure you're right if that's what you read. I just can't uh, remember that. I think maybe because it's another one of those things where it makes Superman look like he'd be willing to do something like that that he shouldn't have done. Um, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's what's happening with Future's End. And so it's an interesting waits for the month to play out maybe we'll this time next month when we're chatting about our podcast again about the comics we'll have more of an understanding of what future's end was all about and how it all fit together and i guess that's part and parcel of reading these comic books is that they don't want to reveal everything and let you know where things are at you've got to kind of piece it together as you go along but um i just wanted to quickly touch on before we move outside of comic books injustice gods among us is now moving into year three 
the second year has wrapped up with chapter 24, the digital comics, and uh, the first chapter of year three will begin at the end of September. So um, it's continuing. I believe it's supposed to be a six-month, a six-year plan or five-year plan between the beginning of Injustice and where the video game starts off. So um, it's uh, it's an interesting story. It's sorry, but it's another one where a dark Superman and uh, he's against uh, you know Batman and his crew and but um, it's it's still an interesting read and I you know I, it is one of the the comics that I'm enjoying even though I don't like seeing all the heroes and there are really no heroes in this story they're all pretty much bad guys in that they've really turned away from being anything heroic. Yeah, I haven't read any of the Injustice, but uh, I do I do understand that it's another. You know, we were talking about this earlier. It's another dark take yep. on. What would happen if the heroes went dark? And that seems to be a lot of times what really interests people. Um, you know, Sad but uh, true. That's the way it goes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, uh, looking at some of those pages of the Batman Superman Future Zen book, um, it seems like maybe whatever it is that Batman did and then Superman's reaction to that, which apparently crippled Batman, is what leads him to leave and mm. say, you know, this, I can't do this anymore or whatever it is. So that's going to come out as we move forward. Obviously, uh, it must be in the pages of Future's End because these are just one shots um, that, that tell part of the story. Stand outside, yep. All right. Um, outside of comic books, we saw the Royal Canadian Mint launch another series of Superman coins, which are um, inspired by comic book covers and uh, they all look great. I believe they sold out pretty quickly. So uh, if you didn't get them, you probably have to look on eBay at this point in time. But uh, it's great to see that Canada, again, um, enjoying the uh, the fact that Joe Schuster was born in Canada and, and making that connection between uh, him being born there and his being co-creator of the character and uh, the look of the character. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I wish I could afford some of these. I, mm. I saw them and I love that they're ongoing with it. I think it's cool, and I thought it was cool years ago when the United States put out the stamps, and, yep. uh, and of course it was only one of those. So it's neat that there are many of these coins, and it's 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 cool. It's yep, a cool, cool collector cool. if you can afford it. You know? Yeah, for sure. Now there are also some books coming out that uh, might interest uh, readers. There's a Lois Lane young adult novel uh, that will be coming out. Um, in uh, January 2015, uh, it's called uh, Fallout, and it's by author Gwenda Bond. Uh, Lois is starting a new life in Metropolis, an army brat. Lois has lived all over and seen all kinds of things. Uh, some of them defy explanation, like the near disaster she witnessed in Kansas in the middle of one night. But now her family is putting down roots in the big city, and Lois is determined to fit in, stay quiet, fly straight. As soon as she steps into her new high school, though, she can see it won't be that easy. A group known as the Warheads is making life miserable for another girl at school. They're messing with her mind somehow via the high-tech immersive video game they all play. Not cool. Armed with her wit and her new snazzy job as a reporter, Lois has her sights set on solving this mystery, but sometimes it's all a bit much. Thank goodness for her maybe more than a friend, a guy she knows only by his screen name, Smallville Guy. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I mean, uh, I can't even think of who the target demo for this is. Young adults. Uh, well, yeah, but um, they don't know who Lois Lane is. They don't know who Superman is. They're not going to care. <laughs> so I'm not sure who they, – they're not 
the only people who are going to care are us, and we're not the, the, we're not the target. We're not the <laughs> we're people that they want reading this. So um, it seems. I mean, I like it. I'm glad they're trying something. Yeah, I just trying. can't imagine it being a big seller. A, anything that young girls are going to read, but. Mm. Oh, we'll wait and see what the what the uh, reaction is once it gets finally published early next year, and uh, we'll try to review it. Uh, we'll try to see if we can get a young adult, uh, maybe my niece who's 13, maybe she'd be a good target audience for this uh, book. She's a very yeah. avid reader, so we'll get... She's interested. Uh, yeah, I'm sure she would be, so we'll see if we can get her to review the book uh, come January next year when it uh, is released. Now, the other book that I want to talk about quickly is a book called Holding Kryptonite, I'm at the very final pages, last couple of chapters of this book, um, and we will be. Uh, you probably by time. Well, by the time you hear this, we'll have interviewed uh, the authors of the book on our Monday, January. Uh, sorry, September twenty second, Radio K or live show that Michael Bailey and I do. Uh, the authors uh, Lauren Agostino and Andrew Newberg uh, coming on the show to, or came on the show, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, to talk about the book. Um, as a young law firm assistant in 1997, Lauren literally stumbled on a secret case of Superman's creators, Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. Uh, it was a, 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 a folder of original documents, private correspondence, legal papers and artwork um, that uh, exposed the muted and maligned history of the relationship and dynamics of the early Superman family. Very interesting, very just eye-opening book. You learn some of the, the... Seeing the correspondence between Jerry Siegel and the guys at DC Comics and the head honchos there and and the, the machinations between you know him, even from that early stage, trying to win back some of the rights to Superman and, and trying to get a better deal. And, and you know, it, we are uh, kind of uh, moulded to think that, you know, these were two young, innocent teenage boys who had no idea what they were doing. But actually, by the time they did sell Superman to DC Comics, they were in their early 20s. They had been working for DC Comics for a number of years, had signed other documents and other legal papers of the exact same nature that they signed Superman, signing away the rights to other characters that they had created and written for, for DC Comics. So they knew exactly what they were getting into and what the deal was. It wasn't like they were blindsided and, and had the wool um, pulled over their eyes. They just didn't know that this, out of all the other characters that they had created, would end up being such a massive hit to, uh, in, you know, to everything else they had done and uh, were, you know... A little bit greedy, I think, in wanting to to gain more than what they were entitled to because of the fact that uh, they realised it was doing better than they had uh, than any of the other characters who they would happily sign one hundred and thirty dollars for uh, for the rights to be taken over by TC Comics, and the amount of the book shows you along the way also the their earnings um, throughout the years and the comparison between their earnings and what the average American earning was at that time. It's, they were earning astronomical figures compared to the average person uh, in the no early 1930s, late 1930s and early 1940s. Hmm. So Sounds very interesting. Very interesting, but I highly recommend it. Um, so check out that interview with those authors from the, the live radio show that we do. Uh, but it's called Holding Kryptonite. You can get it through the Superman homepage online store definitely well worth reading it's 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 an, a real eye-opener let's start with the big question last month's question was outside the main superman comic books which title involving superman are you currently enjoying most 
And uh, Miss Lane wrote in, Snyder's Superman Unchained is my personal favorite. I like the themes it's exploring, and it features one of the best roles for Lois Lane in recent comics. If one can pick up digital titles, uh, if I can pick up, hmm, if one can pick, hmm, if one can pick digital titles, then I pick Smallville. Oh, Smallville, written by Brian Q. Miller. It's fun, has a fantastic ensemble, and is action-packed. Bonus for both Unchained and Smallville is their respective writers, who are two of the most affable people in the business. Yeah, good choice. Uh, Smallville is a quite a good read at the moment, uh, with the new continuity uh, story picking up in its uh, early chapters. Next up, we have Anthony Arfuso, who wrote, Hi guys, for me it's Supergirl's own, for I honestly cherish seeing the super cousins spending time together, especially when Clark truly wants to get to know his cousin, and more about what life was like on their home world. <laughs> Interesting that you say that, Anthony, because Scotty doesn't feel like that's happened at all. Yeah, well, I know Anthony, and I know he's a very, very Passionate. big Supergirl fan, and he's he's dying to see what happens with this new Supergirl TV show, and uh, so I think he really loves to read anything Supergirl, much like we we like to be involved with anything Superman, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I I would agree with him if that happened. I I hope that it happens more. So I mm-hmm. I would love to see the Super Cousins spending time together. It just hasn't happened in three years, but. Hopefully it will. Uh, Dan D. Herrera via Twitter wrote, Superman Unchained, best comic I've read and looked at in years. Yeah, fair enough. Thank you, Dan. Great to hear from a Twitter fan. Jason Hackett wrote in. He says, Smallville Season 11 is my only must-read week in and week out, even above action and Superman. The characters are familiar, consistent, and fully formed. We've spent more than a decade with them, something that can't be said for any other current version. Plus, it's just a lot of fun seeing the Smallville characters dive all the way into full superhero storylines. Brian Cumula, a screenwriter for the TV show, is writing, has a full toy box to play with, and is making it a ton of fun. Very good. Uh, Tim Costello also said that Smallville Season 11 is the best book he's reading. I was a big fan of the show, he says, when it was on TV. Seeing it continue in comic book form has been a joy for me. Brian Q. Miller writes super perfectly. I'd recommend it to anyone, fan of the show or not. One of the best Superman books out now. Thank you, Tim. Uh, Very passionate about Smallville. Donovan Hunter, one of our regulars, writes in. He says, I love Injustice Gods Among Us. I love the storyline in the video game, and that made me want to collect the books. I love the idea of Superman taking over and being a villain. I think a live-action or animated film of this would be amazing. What do you think of Injustice Gods Among Us, Steve and Scotty? Keep up the awesome podcast. I think I spoke about Injustice a little bit earlier, saying that I'm enjoying it, even though it's kind of a little bit hard to see Superman being the way he is in that book. Uh, I'm not a fan of seeing Superman being a villain, like you are, Donovan, but uh, I can understand the interest in seeing how that would play out. Well, I did uh, recently purchase Injustice on the PlayStation 3 as a, uh, it was on sale, superhero sale they were having, and I couldn't resist buying it. I haven't turned it on yet, so I still don't know the story, and I haven't read any of the comics, but maybe if I, uh, when I get to the game, maybe that'll uh, spur me on to pick up some of the comics, so we'll see how it goes, but uh, we'll like Steve, and like we said earlier, uh, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of them changing Superman to the dark side. Uh, it seems like a, a lot of times they just do it for the sake of it because it's something we don't expect from Superman and it's cool to see good guys be bad guys, but uh, th- that doesn't usually do a lot for me. Mm-hmm. But moving on, Billy Hogan wrote, I'm only reading three Man of Steel titles, Action, Superman, and Superman Unchained. And Superman is my current favorite. I've always enjoyed John Romita Jr.'s art style. <laughs> 
Wow, another interesting uh, uh, difference from what I was saying. And I'm glad he crossed the street to work for DC. Jeff Johns is writing a great story, which has a strong sense of direction, and each issue has a lot of character development. I hope they stay on the title for a long time and not just be another creative team on a temporary rotation on the title. Well, there you go. It takes, I guess, you know, Billy is a big comic aficionado, and uh, the fact that he likes uh, John Romita Jr.'s style, I guess... It, Shows that there, are, you know, so many different opinions and 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 um, you know styles out there that people like. That it's you've got to try to. It's a hard job for DC Comics to be able to please everyone all the time. Yeah. So uh, we move on. Patrick O'Neill he writes in saying, "My favorite Superman comic book outside of the main titles has been The Adventures of Superman. I was really disappointed when I heard it was being cancelled. Hopefully, it gets back. It gets brought back in the near future." Uh, I like that title too, Patrick. Uh, shame to see those kind of outer continuity stories, uh, standalone stories, go the way of the dodo. I enjoyed it as well, and I think it was only a buck. And, um, you know, the, the whole idea of moving into digital and making it more accessible and knowing that kids always have their hands on a Kindle or an iPad or um, w- w- seems like a, a home-run hit idea, but... I think the issue is that still, uh, just like with the young adult Lois Lane novel, kids don't really care about Superman or Lois Lane. And uh, DC, I don't know if it's the movie franchise or what it is that makes kids interested, but, you know, the Avengers is huge with kids. You know, almost every kid I see has an Avengers shirt on. Uh, Very few have Superman shirts. A lot of adults do. Um, but uh, that's not going to help uh, with new comic book sales because a lot of adults don't buy comic books. So it's only the people who are already buying comic books that might have been interested in something like Adventures of Superman in the first place. Mm. And then you got to try and sell the idea to kids or other people that aren't really interested. And I really liked Adventures of Superman as well, uh, but um, it, I, I don't see it coming back because it clearly didn't work. Well, to... I mean, it maybe didn't work, didn't sell as much. It would have been nice to see it continue, but uh, DC Comics aren't throwing away the idea of digital digital first standalone comic books. They've got a uh, Wonder Woman comic book of the same nature as Adventures of Superman that's currently uh, being published. Uh, So that might be something that uh, people who are interested in standalone stories of superheroes could uh, could pick up. So uh, check that out. All right, moving on to our new big question. What do you think of the news about a live-action Supergirl TV series, and who would you cast as Supergirl? Yes, Scotty and I spoke about this earlier in the show. Now it's your chance to get involved and let us know your opinion about the live-action Supergirl TV series that is supposedly coming up on CBS. Uh, Get involved with the Big Question segment of the show. Click on the button found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. You can also record an audio answer and send that in as an MP3 file, and they will all be played or read out here in our next podcast. I'm laughing at you, you hear? Laughing! Now it's time for the Superman comedy sketch. What do you have for us this time, Steve? Well, we have another one of the CBC Radio uh, Irrelevant Show sketches. This uh, Irrelevant Show sketch is titled Superpowers Yet, and uh, it features a bunch of uh, people sitting around, I guess, a table or a a boardroom uh, where they're talking about uh, if if any of them have acquired any superpowers after spending too long in a hot tub. Here we go. (laughs) Well, as much as I enjoy participating in this hubbub, I'm afraid I'm going to have to start the meeting soon. Okay, I'm going to call it to order now. All right, thank you. Thank you all for coming to this meeting. History will remember this gathering as historic. 
It is fate that brought us together. We who yesterday afternoon sat in the hot tub at the community center. We all remember it well. The pool boy told us the hot tub was down for maintenance and that the sign had fallen behind the towel closet thing. The chlorine levels were very high, and we all stayed in the hot tub for longer than the recommended 30 minutes, which is more than enough time to mutate and develop superpowers. <laughs> so, do we have superpowers yet or what? Yeah, yeah, okay, all right, all right. Uh, let us reveal all. I see some of you have made costumes already. Love the enthusiasm. So, has anyone acquired superpowers? I've brought a pen. We'll go around the circle. I'll take an inventory, and then I suppose uh, we can begin to fight crimes. Okay. I have a power, so I'll begin. I can see the future. What? What? You, you can, can see, see the, the future? future? Ha-ha, yes. I can see 13 one-thousandths of a second into the future. <laughs> That's how I knew you were going to say that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> see? We'll always be 13 one-thousandths of a second ahead of the bad guys. Uh, you with the cape, what's your power? I realized I can make it work with any girl at the expense of my happiness. <laughs> like, if, if there was an evil villain or something, I could date her for a really long time. Okay, so your power is dating evil women. Done it my whole life. Even if my friends and family don't like her. Well, especially if they don't. Hmm. And uh, would you be able to influence her in some way? Hmm. Maybe. I could possibly get a cat with her. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, you know what? It's going on the list. Could get cat with evil woman. Okay. Anyone else? I have a superpower. Excellent. Yes, I'm sure it's a great one. Sure. I can get American Netflix. Whoa, what? Really? <laughs> What, 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 what kind of stuff? The Office. American or British? Both. Whoa, that's awesome. Okay, we will use that for sure. I'm putting that in the log. That is a good, good power. Uh, uh, my vertical leap increased by a, you know, about a foot, so I can almost dunk a basketball now. <laughs> I can definitely touch the rim, but uh, I also think my kid might have adjusted the hoop. I'm not really sure, but. <laughs> I would like to think that if a supervillain was rolling watermelons at us or really big, big pumpkins, I could jump over them, you know, if, if they're not moving too fast. Okay, okay. Great, I'll put that down. Can jump. Oh, oh, oh. I can cancel out of any cell phone plan without question. Really? That's terrific. What carrier are you with? No one. I canceled. So your superpower is that no one can get a hold of you. Well, I got out of my plan. Yeah, and now you don't have a cell phone, so we can't call you. Oh, right. I'll get a new cell phone. Uh, it just makes sense to have one. I'll get one. Good. Because you need one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I got it. I can speak French at a grade 10 level. Now, see, that is great. French. French we can use. I can ask where the washrooms are and get pencils sharpened. Mm, yeah. <laughs> That should be very helpful. You have just increased the number of places we can fight crime. Montreal, for example, or New Brunswick. 
So, let's see what we have here so far. Uh, my seeing into the future can make it work with evil girls. Uh, American Netflix, very cool power, excellent. Can jump kinda high, uh, grade 10 French, and you have a phone or are getting one. Yeah, I'll get a phone. Good, because you need one. I'm sorry to keep harping on this. I know I'm sounding like a broken record, but how are we gonna fight crime if one of us doesn't have a cell phone? Please get one. Uh can we drop it? I will get a phone. Great, because we need you to have one. Oh, I said okay. And so, a legion of heroes has been born. Whenever crime rears its head, we will be there. Wherever an obstacle appears that's up to two, two and a half feet high, we will jump over it. Whenever a mystery can be solved only in the French language, using the present tense and very rudimentary past and future tenses, nous allons arriver là. When you need someone to drive your mom to the bus, even though you cheated on us, we will be there. If you see House of Cards, and everyone tells you that the British version was better and you have to see it, we will be there. Whenever danger is .013 seconds away, we will see it coming and we will defeat it. We are here to defend you, citizens, and we will leap to your rescue without hesitation. At least those of us with cell phones. Oh my god, I said I would get one. <laughs> For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts. So there you have it, uh, some funny stuff. Not necessarily exactly Superman related, but superpower related anyway and superhero related. So uh, it is a, a funny comedy sketch. Hope you enjoyed it. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. And uh, it's time for the super secret soundbite now. Last month's sound came from the movie Man of Steel. Let's hear it once again, Steve. Yep, here is that sound one more time to uh, see if you could uh, pick that it was from Man of Steel. To 300 cycles of somatic reconditioning. And there it was, and uh, we had 13 people who guessed it correctly. Who were they, Scotty? We had Omar Saeed, uh, Hector, David Huang, Guthrie McLean, Nick Nicholson, Sergio, Donovan Hunter, Mario Benice, or Benici, Fred Walsh, Ben Antonini, Mikey B, Jeremy Petrovich, and Patrick O'Neill. Congratulations to those 13 people for guessing that right. Not too hard, I guess, with Manor still being still fresh in our minds. But let's see if those people and more can guess where in the world of Superman this new secret soundbite comes from. A baby. It's alive. How could it be? Well, there you have it. If you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out here on Radio KAL. And the Superman song this month is called Lois Lane, and it's by Bean and Steve. Uh, you have a cool story, don't you? Yeah, I uh, contacted uh, Bean's uh, manager through her website, uh, beanmusic.com to see if we could play this song here on Radio KL. It's a, a recent release. I think uh, 
this year or last year it was released online and I uh, got to chat with Bean herself. Her name is actually Noelle Bean. Uh, nickname stuck and she uses her performance name just as Bean. Uh, she's a young woman who uh, is a singer, songwriter, musician and I chatted with her uh, earlier just before this recording to uh, talk to her about her song Lois Lane. So uh, here's my interview with Noelle Bean. Okay, I'm here with Noelle Bean, better known just as Bean, um, song singer, songwriter, musician. Uh, how are you Noelle? I'm wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. Now, uh, our podcast radio, KAL, uh, is all about Superman, and every month we play a Superman song on our podcast, and uh, you might be surprised to know that there are over 500 songs that mention Superman in some way or another, and uh, your song, Lois Lane, which we're about to play on our show, is uh, one of those songs. Uh, How did you come about this song? Is this a song that you wrote yourself? Yeah, it is actually. Um, you know, growing up, it's it's Superman has kind of been, especially being American, like it's it's kind of been just something that, as a kid from the United States, you grow up with that, mm-hmm. like being the main superhero of America. And cool. so, I mean, you got to have a song about it if you're a writer and you're <laughs> you're from here, you know. <laughs> right now, what was the inspiration for the song as far as n- naming it Lois Lane? You know, I figured with the title Lois Lane, I thought it would be very cool because, I mean, there are so many songs, like you said already, that reference Superman, mm-hmm. and I wanted to change it up and, and kind of give the the heroine part of the story, if you will, um, which is the Lois Lane aspect, because if you think about it, like Superman and Lois Lane, it's like their, their love story kind of saved they kind of both saved each other mm-hmm. in different aspects and and ways and um so i was like you know what i'm a chick lois lane is a chick and i am obsessed with superman and their little love story um and on top of like the heroic tell of all of it so i um i thought it would be a cute little title great so you are a comic book fan or a superhero fan i am such a superhero fan yeah right so what did you think of man of steel you know, I was not mad at um, at the production quality, just like everything from special effects to um, the main actor, like in the lead role playing Superman. I just I thought it was very well produced and, and directed. And I mean, I've seen it probably 10 times now wow. since it's been out. And I just I love it. Great. Fantastic. Now, your first EP was uh, titled Roller Coaster is out now. Uh, but Lois Lane isn't on that album. Uh, is Lois Lane on an upcoming album, or is it just a single release? You know, I um, I released it on YouTube. Just did a little like lyric video kind yep, of thing. I've seen that. Yeah, but I I really think that I'm gonna go back and do kind of um a little single release, but more of an acoustic feel to it. So mm. maybe just me and my guitar and put that out on iTunes for a little bit and see how it does. I, I really do have a special place in my heart for that song. Fantastic. Now, you've got a few tours coming up. Uh, where can people find you and uh, and see you performing? Um, you know, I keep updated all of my shows and whatnot on my social media links. Mm-hmm. Um, it's under the hub and the umbrella of my website, which is Bean Music. But... Um, I'm currently on a tour right now that it's it's 26 different cities. We're going to, um, in each city, one of the high schools, and we're playing for 
by the end of the tour, it's going to be um, 90,000 kids that I will have played and performed in front wow. of. And so it's through um, this amazing organization called High School Nation. Mm -hmm. And we're touring right now. It's me, Drake Bell, um, Leroy Sanchez, who is an up-and-coming up singer-songwriter, just mm -hmm. so many talented musicians. And um, it's sponsored by Aquafina as well as um, Guitar Center and Tilly's and all of these huge, huge brands. So it's right. just a very good look. And we get to talk to some amazing kids and perform for them. So it's a blast. Fantastic. So as you said, beanmusic.com is your website. You're also on social media as far as Facebook, Twitter and that are concerned. So uh, we uh, really appreciate the opportunity to play your Noel, your, sorry, your Lois Lane song here on uh, Radio KL and, uh, and uh, really appreciate you coming on to talk to us as well. Well, thank you so much and I'm stoked to hear my song on, on your amazing website. Fantastic. So uh, that's uh, Noel Bean. Uh, as I said, you can see her, uh, check out her website at beanmusic.com. And uh, thanks again, Noel. Thank you so much, Steve. Okay, bye bye. Bye. So there you have it. And thanks to Noel and her manager, Adam. We're uh, pleased to be able to present to you Lois Lane by Bean. Superheroes.
Well, there you have it. There's the song. What do you think of uh, Noel and the interview and the song, Scotty? Well, it's it's very cool to, um, you know, we're talking about young fans and, and trying to find people who are going to read, you know, a Lois Lane book or, or uh, look at digital comics about Superman. And uh, it's nice always to know that there are young artists and young people out there that are still uh, interested in, in Superman and, and having a... Uh, um, uh, a connection to Superman, mm. so so I love that. That's great. Yeah. So that is our show for another month. Uh, remember, if there is a, a particular topic you'd like to suggest that Scotty and I discuss, maybe there's a song you'd like to request or uh, a big question you'd like us to put to the fans. Also, we're looking for comedy sketches all the time. We're running very short and low on on any Superman or superhero related comedy sketch. Please, you can send all those suggestions to us using the KAL feedback form at the website, or you can send us an email. My email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com, or you can contact Scotty. His is scotty at supermanhomepage.com, and we would love to hear from you for those suggestions. But for now, that is our show, a pretty long one today. But thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Scotty, for being a co-host once again. Thank you, Steve, and thanks, everybody, for listening. And always remember... Always look up in the sky. You've been listening to Radio KAL, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com.